the castle. There they found that the gardener, groom, and cook had added to his many professions that of an undertaker, and had nailed up his noble master in a coffin. With how much or how little further inquiry this odd fact was passed did not as yet very plainly appear, for the thing had never been legally investigated till Flambeau had gone north two or three days before. By then the body of Lord Glengyle, if it was the body, had lain for some time in the little churchyard on the hill. As Father Brown passed through the dim garden and came under the shadow of the chateau, the clouds were thick and the whole air damp and thundery. Against the last stripe of the green-gold sunset he saw a black human silhouette, a man in a chimney-pot hat with a big spade over his shoulder. The combination was queerly suggestive of a sexton, but when Brown remembered the deaf servant who dug potatoes, he thought it natural enough. He knew something of the Scotch peasant. He knew the respectability which might well feel it necessary to wear blacks for an official inquiry. He knew also the economy that would not lose an hour's digging for that. Even the man's start and suspicious stare as the priest went by were consonant enough with the vigilance and jealousy of such a type. The great door was opened by Flambeau himself, who had with him a lean man with iron-grey hair and papers in his hand, Inspector Craven from Scotland Yard. The entrance hall was mostly stripped and empty, but the pale, sneering faces of one or two of the wicked Ogilvies looked down out of the black periwigs and blackening canvas. Following them into an inner room, Father Brown found that the Allies had been seated at a long oak table, of which their end was covered with scribbled papers, flanked with whisky and cigars. Through the whole of its remaining length, it was occupied by detached objects arranged at intervals, objects about as inexplicable as any objects could be. One looked like a small heap of glittering broken glass. Another looked like a high heap of brown dust. A third appeared to be a plain stick of wood. You seem to have a sort of geological museum here, he said as he sat down, jerking his head briefly in the direction of the brown dust and the crystalline fragments. Not the geological museum, replied Flambeau. Say a psychological museum. Oh, for the Lord's sake, cried the police detective, laughing. Don't let's begin with such long words. Don't you know what psychology means? asked Flambeau with friendly surprise. Psychology means being off your chop. Still, I hardly follow, replied the official. Well, said Flambeau with decision, I mean that we've only found out one thing about Lord Glengyle. He was a maniac. The black silhouette of Gar with his top hat and spade passed the window, dimly outlined against the darkening sky. Father Brown stared passively at it and answered, I could understand there must have been something odd about the man, or he wouldn't have buried himself alive, nor been in such a hurry to bury himself dead. But what makes you think it was lunacy? Well, said Flambeau, you just listen to the list of things Mr. Craven has found in the house. 
We must get a candle, said Craven suddenly. A storm is getting up and it's too dark to read. Have you found any candles? asked Brown, smiling, among your oddities. Flambeau raised a grave face and fixed his dark eyes on his friend. That is curious, too, he said. Twenty-five candles and not a trace of a candlestick. In the rapidly darkening room and rapidly rising wind, Brown went along the table to where a bundle of wax candles lay among the other scrappy exhibits. As he did so, he bent accidentally over the heap of red-brown dust, and a sharp sneeze cracked the silence. Hello, he said. Snuff. He took one of the candles, lit it carefully, came back and stuck it in the neck of the whiskey bottle. The unrestful night air blowing through...